Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Force Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every part of Star Wars is great from a certain point of view. <laughs> I am your host, my name is Joseph Scrimshaw, I have two fabulous panelists from Fantasy Flight Games, he's also the announcer for the Minnesota Roller Girls, and the first person to correct me on the pronunciation of Coruscant, it's Jeremy Stomberg! Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. 
Hello there. Also from Fantasy Flight Games, a great comedian performer who has not yet corrected me on the pronunciation of a Star Wars word, but the night is young, <laughs> Molly Glover. And just to set the scene up for anybody who is listening to the podcast who doesn't have the joy of being in the room, we are recording live from Convergence, a great convention in Minneapolis, Minnesota, technically Bloomington. And uh, (laughs) it is late at night. It's 11.30 on a Saturday night at a party convention. And a bunch of people said to themselves, what do we want to do? Try to feel better about Star Wars. <laughs> Star yeah. Wars counseling after hours. <laughs> <laughs> Intimate Star Wars counseling. So, uh, by applause, how many people have ever listened to this podcast before? Okay. That's what I thought. So some of you know what you're in for. Uh, for the rest of you, here's what's going to happen. is uh, The goal of this podcast is to just try to make people feel better about the little things that bother them, that stick in their souls, that make them pop up at night sweating like Anakin and Attack of the Clones having a dream about his mother. <laughs> if that's who you are in your heart right now, topless Anakin, we're going to try to make you... <laughs> feel better. Uh, So first, I'm going to get some grievances uh, from Jeremy, or a grievance from Jeremy, rather, not multiple. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) We don't want to do that. You've known me for a long time. I have a lot of grievances. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to get one from Molly, and we're going to practice trying to make each other feel better, Uh, and then uh, we're going to form a line, and we would love to take your grievances. Uh, We would ask you to make them specific. So not like, I don't like Attack of the Clones. Like, that's uh, far too broad. (laughs) Come up here and tell me, I don't like those weird butt cow things that Anakin and Padme ride on. <laughs> the shacks. Then uh, then we can work with that. Uh, and with that, I, I think we shall begin. Uh, Jeremy, would you like to begin by stating your Star Wars grievance? Sure. It's, it's actually a grievance I have a, with a, a lot of films, but uh, Star Wars is particularly egregious, is I, don't, I never know how long something is supposed to take. Oh I, yes! One of the one of the things that I really enjoy in 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 movies, especially movies that I, I love and watch over and over again, like the Star Wars films, like like Bond films, stuff like that, is I I kind of and it, it, it's such a, a weird nerd thing is I, I I try to figure out the shortest amount of time that the story could have happened in. <laughs> so I'll go through and it's like, well, there's a sunset. So now it's at least one day. Or if they refer to something as, remember two weeks ago when this happened, that references something that happened earlier in the movie, then you know two weeks has happened has uh, progressed since the last time. Yeah. And with Star Wars, I mean, the big thing that everybody will look forward look at is in Empire Strikes Back when Luke goes to Dagobah and is training. How long is he training? Could he be training for a day and a half, or is it? You know what I've what I've you know come to come to uh, grasp as more of an adult is is remember the hyperdrive on the Falcon is, <laughs> is broken so they probably were traveling a really long mm. time to get to Bespin. Yeah, this is a great grievance, and it Thank is uh, something that has come up in general on the overall Four Center podcast feed that that exact discussion. Uh, I love the idea of you scanning movies you already know for sunsets (laughs) and having charts on your wall like a serial killer (laughs) trying to figure out everything. That is a beautiful grievance. Uh, Here's what I like to think about it is I feel like if you want to interpret it is not much time passing specifically in Empire Strikes Back. That's valid because you can just tell yourself Yoda is that good at teaching, and Luke is mm. that powerful at the Force. Mm-hmm. Good point. Where Yoda's just like, here's a, here's a little bit of wisdom. 
Oh, do or do not, there's no try. I got it. I'm so good at the force. I now figured this out. So I think you can think about it that way. But what is more appealing to me is that the falcon was in the belly of that space worm <laughs> for two weeks. <laughs> there were that many problems with the Falcon yeah, yeah. that there, they had to stay there, the Falcon, yeah. fix them all, and that's how the romance began between uh, Han and Leia, too, because they were down there together for two weeks, <laughs> just stewing in sexual tension in a big space worm's belly. That's kind of how my wife and I got together. So, <laughs> so uh, does that make you feel at it, all better? You know, it does, Joseph. Oh. I, I always enjoy talking about Star Wars with you, and uh, you have made me feel better. Oh, good. Thank you. Molly, do you have anything to add to make Jeremy feel even better? Yeah, you know, Jeremy, I would say that what you really need to focus on is how, you know, time has an inexorable forward march, and there's nothing <laughs> we can do to stop it. So what you really need to think about is, you know, they enjoyed their time. No matter how long it took, Luke really had a good time with Yoda, uh, even when he was frustrated. You know, it really fulfilled him in ways that he didn't have. You know, maybe Uncle Ben was a good father figure, but not really the way that, you know, Yoda, I think, really taught him things that he wanted to know. And I, I just, whether it was a day and a half or a year and a half, <laughs> just less plausible, I think that, you know, they, they all came away feeling fulfilled, and that's really what matters, you know, like when you're here. It's four days you know, packed into so much. Yeah, it's four days, but it's all packed in. It's really like that second day where you go into dark cave and you cut someone's head off and then yes. see your own face yeah. and then say, I've learned so much. It's crazy. <laughs> that actually, that usually happens to me by Thursday night, no later. No, no. Thursday night you go into the cave. Yep, Excellent. Yep. That's good to know. All right, Molly, yes. what is your Star Wars grievance? Mine's a little more specific than Jeremy's. Mm. Uh, mine is about The Force Awakens, which I loved as a movie. I mean, generally really loved it, but... Uh, so after Han dies, sorry, after Han dies, uh, uh, and and Leia, uh, Ray, and they they land with the Falcon, and Ray and Chewie are there, and Leia comes, and she's obviously she knows Han is dead, she can feel it, and they show that the first person she hugs is Ray, not Chewie. You know, the person that she flew with and had all these adventures with, Han's best friend, possibly there at their wedding. I'm guessing he was the best man. I mean, you know, I bet he threw a hell best of a bachelor party, right? Good stag party for the Wookiees on Kashyyyk. <laughs> they, they get down on Kashyyyk. And, uh, but yeah, like she, that's her first, her first move is to go hug Chewie and that, or to go hug Ray, not Chewie. And that upsets me. It makes me feel sad inside because he doesn't get a medal. It's like she doesn't even see him. Like she just, no matter what, whenever she has gifts to bestow, they don't go to Chewie. And that makes me feel bad. I understand. I understand. This is something that came up with a lot of Star Wars fans to the point where J.J. Abrams apologized for not blocking the scene differently. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, that is a true thing. That is where we live in culture now. We can make directors apologize to us. <laughs> Well, so then they're powerful. so objectively wrong. Michael Bay, you're next. <laughs> you're next, Michael Bay. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so, yeah, I think there is, A, you can you can make that direct connection. A lot of people mm -hmm. feel, I, I don't entirely agree with this, that The Force Awakens is too derivative of A New Hope, but that's another great uh, callback. That's a bit of poetry that yeah. Leia once again yeah. shafts Chewie. Yes, you know, that's a good point. I, I also I also believe that it's it's not derivative. I think that it's it's indicative of patterns in The Force, so that, that actually makes me feel a lot better. Oh, good, good. Yeah. And uh, to me, I think the big big thing is what I use for, for when I'm thinking about that and it bugs me of why she didn't hug Chewie mm -hmm. is that maybe there is a whole story there that we haven't heard where oh. Chewie is like I know that Han couldn't emotionally deal with his son you guys have been separated you gave him this mission which is the hardest thing that Han could do Han could run into any trouble but emotionally opening up to his son mm. is the hardest thing for him to do and he goes into this huge moment of bravery and it gets him killed and like Chewie's just not there yet He'll yeah. talk to Leia about it eventually, 
So, but he's not ready to talk about this. Like when she felt his death in the forest, she also felt Chewie being just like, "Fuck that bitch." <laughs> <laughs> Pardon my language. I'm so sorry. I just, like I just imagine, like I can't yes. do the Chewie yell, but like that's what it would translate to. Go ahead and say "f that b" in Chewie language. <laughs> I'm really bad at it, you guys. I can't do it at all. It's yes, yeah, yeah. I can't make the noise. I can make the noise that makes someone else make the noise. <laughs> The thing of great beauty, yes, your noise, yes. your ability to pass the noise. Uh, yeah, and I love that, and I think this is what J.J. Abrams was thinking about. I love that uh, Leia simply sensed that Ray was also Force-sensitive mm-hmm. and sensed that she had been through something and she was coming into this foreign place and that she was the one who truly needed the hug. Understood, yeah. yes. Well, I, yeah, I, I, popping off of that, I think that... Uh, they know, I mean, Leia and Han, eventually, they know who Rey is. They know who mm-hmm. her, her parents uh, are. And I think that, uh, or at least when Han kind of figured it out at uh, just before Madison's castle. Yeah, I can't, uh, I can't accept these things being yeah. said as fact. Oh, Those I, are your oh, theories. Oh, oh, I can. <laughs> Everything I say is fact, like the pronunciation of Coruscant. Uh, but, uh, if, but so she knows, so even if she didn't know right away, he probably told her in an unseen hmm. shot before he, you know, after they, they got there, before they left. And really, in 20 years, uh, he can just uh, get a hug on the MTV Movie Awards. So. <laughs> just like he got the award. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, my, my wonderful wife, Sarah, is going to stand right here. And if you have a Star Wars grievance that you would like addressed, please line up right by Sarah. Physically. Come on up. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Oh, yeah, there. this oh, is what oh, I thought oh, would happen. <laughs> Sarah, you guys, Sarah, you can go ahead and organize the line. And while you're doing that, we will, uh, we will take our first grievance. If you could step forward to right about here, so you're within general range of our recording device. Uh, please tell me your name and your Star Wars grievance. Um, my name is Henry, and my particular Star Wars grievance is in the Last Jedi trailer. <laughs> when we see the shot of Kylo Ren, his scar... That was a lightsaber wound, and a a giant lightsaber wound diagonally bisecting his face. Yeah. And instead they gave him this sexy little red line drawn in in Sharpie. (laughs) (laughs) And I just can't even trust them with The Last Jedi after that, TBH. Okay, okay. So this is yet another situation. This is something we've talked about a little bit on Star Wars Counseling before, but I love uh, getting it fresh when I can talk to somebody in person, so this is great. Uh, so, uh, Ryan Johnson has already pre-apologized before the film, (laughs) before the film is even released, right? Uh, so he said, look, uh, and I think he was trying to go easy on J.J. Abrams. He's like, we tried putting the scar where it should go, and it made him look like a doofus, because it's like, just like, running up, it looks like his eyebrows got together, and then one was flipping off the rest of his head. (laughs) So he, he so Ryan Johnson moved the scar to try to make it look more aesthetically pleasing, like a sexy red sharpie as you described it. <laughs> does that make you feel better or do you want a canonical answer? Um I uh no, that does not make me feel better. Uh, okay, good. Um, because I am absolutely for Kylo looking like a doofus. <laughs> <laughs> a compelling argument. Okay. All right, uh, Jeremy, uh, uh, you weigh in on this. I think that the Empire has the best bacta. They have the Bacta. best yep. back. To, you yep. saw you saw it uh, it uh, fix uh, fix Luke's scar in mm-hmm. uh, in Empire Strikes Back. 
he, you know, he's had, you know, a little bit of time. The Empire's, you know, he goes, or not the Empire, pardon me, the First Order. <laughs> First Order has an amazing Bacta, the best, the best Bacta ever. But they have patches now. I mean, really. Oh, oh they have patches Easily. in the EU, yeah, so it's yeah, all right. Yeah. I think that it's, it's just a, uh, any, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. True. I did. Do you guys want to hear my uh, slightly dark theory about why he does have this card now on the side, now in a slightly different yeah. spot? Is that because the only theory that I've been able to come up with that's even remotely satisfying is that you know that was correct that they completely healed him, and then he was like, well, "Wait, no, I wanted that as a trophy of battle and just cut himself, yeah. but got it in the wrong spot." Yeah, I I yeah. agree with this. Uh, we've discussed this before, and that's uh-huh. the one I like the most is that he yeah. healed it and then he recut uh, in a sexier place, <laughs> <laughs> in a sexier way. <laughs> I'll never be as powerful as Vader, but my scars will be cooler. I bet he was listening to some really serious music while that was happening. <laughs> I mean, the re- his scars being cooler, I mean, that is actually almost exactly Anakin's scar. Um, it's just on the other side of the face. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you very, very much. Round of applause. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and hand that. Uh, please state your name and your Star Wars grievance. Uh, so my name is Wendy, and my Star Wars grievance is Padme. But it's super specific. Uh, I grew up and legitimately this is how important Star Wars was to my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, one Christmas pageant when I was like six. My dad was like, you could be a star in the Christmas pageant or we could go home and watch Star Wars. <laughs> and as a family, we decided Star Wars was way better than the Christmas pageant. <laughs> like, that was where we were. And one of the reasons it was amazing, my dad, um, as a Trump voting person decided it was amazing was like Princess Leia was a good role model Mm -hmm. for me. Okay. And I loved that so, so much. And then the prequels came out and I was 14. I wasn't a kid, but I wasn't an adult either. I was in that weird middle stage and the first one came out and I was like, eh, it's okay. We'll see where they go. And then she died of a broken heart. Yes. And I said, fuck that shit. Uh, In (laughs) Wookiee? No, but I said it really loud as like a 16-year-old. My dad was like, that's not the right language, but okay. Uh, It wasn't the right language before either. Uh, But that's like, I can never get over that. Like ever, ever, ever. Like I have to just pretend they didn't exist. So how can I pretend they, they, they don't exist? Or how can I pretend they do exist and not be over that? Yeah. So uh, so I, I'll, I'll get uh, Jeremy and Molly's takes on this. And kind of a big picture thing, of uh, we here on the, the Force Center podcast feed, we call ourselves prequelists, which is uh, to say that we appreciate them for what they are, acknowledging their flaws. And I personally think, like, there are a lot of great things. There are a lot of very frustrating things. So in general, we're a friendly to the prequels <laughs> uh, <laughs> podcast, uh, but I totally understand this concern, and we've talked... What's that? Great CGI for the time. Great CGI for the month they were released. Indeed, <laughs> yes. And then, but uh, props to George Lucas that he, he always pushes. Yeah, yeah, he always pushes uh, uh, the technology, which is great. Anyway, for the specific thing of Padme, uh, there are a lot of great uh, uh, theories floating around out there about much more mystical mm-hmm. ideas that she was sort of attached to Anakin through the Force, and that it's not this sort of like it can come off kind of lazy. 
that she just passed away suddenly. But there are a lot of great, very mystical theories of maybe Palpatine is somehow sucking life energy from her to stabilize Anakin as he is transforming into Vader. Or I kind of like the idea that it's almost a Shakespearean tragedy, that they were these star-crossed lovers, and she is, like, sensing the death of Anakin as he becomes Vader, and that is what is causing her to not be able to go on. So when I try to feel better about it, I try to think of these much more sort of mysterious ideas, because it allows you to play around with what it could possibly be or mean and make it richer. What do you guys think? Um, I'm a big fan of just assuming that science is to blame, and therefore I assume <laughs> I like to. I tell myself the medical droid doesn't know what it's talking about, <laughs> and when it says that it's actually got a bad, it's got a bad, you know, chip. It's not sure. It's some something is is uh, you know denigrated in its programming, and therefore when it says it is just guessing, you know, like uh, in Catch Me If You Can when he uh, is impersonating a doctor, and he just keeps saying, "Do you concur? Do you concur?" <laughs> it's like that. The droid just looks and goes, "Oh no, uh, this." is a princess. Uh, she died of a broken heart. Like, just, you know, like, it's, yeah, that, that's why. Yeah, it's a, it's a malpractice situation. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like an undiagnosed autoimmune yeah. that yeah. they just couldn't place. Yeah, uh, yes. Jeremy, your thoughts? Uh, so, I was a big Boba Fett fan as a kid, uh, and when he goes out like a punk in, uh, in Return of the Jedi, I just immediately just, you know, just dismissed it as rebel propaganda. <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking what you what what the story that you saw might have been it's a it's a it's a, a trope of storytelling the unreliable narrator. Oh. So you don't know all, all the only story that you know is what is the story that has been told to you that may or may not be what happened. So you can come up with what she actually died of <laughs> in your mind. It's a fun game. Yeah. <laughs> what you, did she die of? You can be more correct than that droid was. <laughs> yeah. I feel better, not resolved, but better. Oh, oh that's yay. perfect. Yay. yay, big round of applause. Thanks, Wendy. Next up, please state your name and grievance. My name is Mike, and um, my grievance, you know, so the, uh, you remember in Star Wars, they have the X-Wing fighters that look like, X's, and you've got the mm. Y-wing fires look like Y's. Mm. Yeah. Now I'm probably showing my age, but I know in the original theatrical version of Star Wars, it said tractor beam next to it when Obi Wan Kenobi mm -hmm. disables a tractor yeah. beam. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, they went back and they retconned it to this alphabet called Orabesh, yeah. which does not have the letter X nor the letter Y. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so these X-wing fighters that look like the letter X in our universe and the Y-wing fighters look like the letter Y in our universe don't exist. <laughs> so where did the name X-Wing and Y-Wing come from in the Star Wars mm. this is, That's a very good one. You went deep, my friend. Real, real deep. I've about this for a while. Yeah, you have been in the belly of the space worm for more than two weeks. <laughs> to come up with that. Uh, yeah, I think you could imagine that there is maybe a secondary ancient alphabet that has been lost but only a few people know it. Oh. And that it's like, this. maybe it's an old Jedi tradition, mm -hmm. and that they have uh, uh, looked it up and figured out that, like, oh, well, they're, they're, you know, we're looking to new, older ideas as we begin to form this rebellion. And we found this older alphabet that's got X's and Y's and <laughs> A's and Z's and V's and all of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, Jeremy and Molly, please weigh in. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you saw, you know, that, you know, uh, Galactic Basic, which uh, uses the Arabesh alphabet, is not the only alphabet that you see in Star Wars. You have that really cool uh, floaty loopy font that they use on Naboo. Um, you know, all these all these ships are manufactured by different companies, mm -hmm. Sinar Drive Systems, yep. Kuat Drive Systems. Uh, 
there's got to be one of these places has something very similar to our alphabet. And or uh, otherwise, it's going to be a sheshwing and a yeshwing, and that's not going to be. And that's, that just doesn't sound good, no matter who's saying. <laughs> I, I actually, I in uh, my other favorite saga that is a uh, you know kind of a fantasy opera saga is the Dark Tower series, and they actually do have they address this when Roland comes to our world, he sees our language and he thinks of it as being very similar to characters in the high speech of his own. He can almost read mm. because it looks very similar because uh, our world is is in a you know it's a similar. Thing. It's a long time ago in a, in a dimension far, far away. So I always imagined it was a lot like that. Like they had something, we're not sure where Earth is, you know, in terms of this and if it even is or if we're on some sort of spoke of their, you know, interdimensional planetary nonsense. So I think that uh, <laughs> I think that that's definitely, I, I, I think we're all in agreement, but I, I really, I think an ancient alphabet is the most likely. Yeah. I, would it bum you out if we got like a really explicit answer to those kind of questions? Because sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I would like to figure that out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Luke is a moisture farmer, but then Han said, this isn't like dusting crops. Like, He's not dusting the moisture <laughs> on Tatooine. Like, he might be. He was terrible at a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> you better get out there on that ridge and dust the moisture. <laughs> but it's already dusty, Uncle Owen. It's so <laughs> dusty. Uh, there are those moments where the real world peeks into Star Wars, and I think that's one of the fascinating debates that fans have. Is like Some fans are like totally okay when the real world peeks in in a way that doesn't quite make sense. But to me, there's always, like, I'd rather enjoy that than have it be explicitly uh, spelled out. So would you be bummed out if, like, The Last Jedi, Luke has some old Jedi thing, and it's like, hello, this is the alphabet that you know <laughs> from Earthworld. Like, that would be bum. That would be a bummer, right? That would. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, do, you feel, uh, do you feel better? I do. I do feel much better. Yay. Oh, that's great. Yay. Thank you. An amazing grievance. Hey, An amazing grievance. <laughs> Please state your name and your grievance. My name is Isaac, and before I get to my grievance, I'd like to weigh in on that last one. Uh-oh. In the uh, Force Awakens, you do see English lettering on uh, Snap Wexley's uh, flight suit. I believe it's like eject or something. But you do see English in there, so hmm. it exists. Yeah, so Snap Wexley made up the English language. Yeah. <laughs> and we introduced time travel to Star Wars as well. <laughs> like, we're going to get another apology soon. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I have to apologize because my grievance has more to do with the fans and the... Mm. This seems like a safe space to bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it seems every time a new character is introduced somewhere, everybody's like, oh my god, who's he related to? How do we know him? Yeah. So it's like, you got Snoke, you got Rey, you got, uh, you know, everybody else. And everybody's like, who's their parents? Who is Snoke? Do I care? He's the bad guy. She's the good guy. I'm sure we'll get it in the new canned books, comics, whatever, because that's how it was all fleshed out before. Yeah. You know, and now, you know, I think we also have J.J. Abrams to blame because of his magical mystery box forever. He calls it, you know, I've got this box inside. You don't know what it is, but you're going to want to find out. Yeah, okay, so yeah, I think that's a great thing to talk about because, yeah, there is the, uh, it's fun to pontificate, it's one of the great things I think that's been reignited by The Force Awakens and all the new books and the comics is, uh, you know, I feel like a kid on the playground again where everybody is talking about, what's the deal, what's going to happen, and I think there's a part of that that is joyful. Um, Here's my opinion about the Snoke thing in particular. I feel like Rey, we are set up to wonder, what is her lineage and it's going to be important to the story. Snoke's 
uh, a big weird hologram, at least, <laughs> with a scarred head who's like, hi, I'm cartoon villain. Don't worry about it. There'll be more later. <laughs> there is nothing in The Force Awakens to indicate to us, the fans, in my opinion, that it is a mystery. So I think there's a big difference between Rey and Snoke, because Rey, I think we are asked to wonder, yeah. and Snoke, we're all like, wouldn't it be fun to say, is that Ezra? Is that, you know, is that Boba Fett? Is, who knows? Is that Lobot? Who knows? Because, like, <laughs> well, like, in uh, A New Hope, we were introduced to the Emperor physically. Yeah, we got to see him, and I don't think anybody's like, oh, my God, who is that? Right. It, it's the Emperor. Yep. Right. We don't need a further explanation. We found out with the prequels. Thank you, George. But, uh, you know, at the time, we didn't care. Yeah. So is your main grievance then that you feel like the discussions of who is Snoke are, are tedious to you? Yeah. It's just we're wasting time. Just wait for the movie to come out. We'll find out. Yeah. Jeremy, how do you handle this? Do you like to pontificate? I, uh, I mean, the only person that really matters is, is Ray, obviously, I think, because it's... <laughs> I mean, Star Wars is the story of the Skywalkers. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so she's somehow related to them. It, it doesn't seem like it's crazy. Snoke, who gives a crap? It's, it's, it's seriously, there's, there's, so many, uh, there's so many podcasts and, and uh, blog posts about people trying to figure things out and, and looking at uh, uh, still shots from earlier films and was, could this person's injury possibly look like that later on? <laughs> and it's silly. It's I, I have I have full faith that it's going to be explained and it's going to be fine and it's it could just be the guy that uh, that happened to be the most charismatic uh, that rose to leadership. Yeah, so not Molly, that that's happened before. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, what do you think? What do you think is the right balance between guessing, having the fun of guessing, and just going overboard with it? I, I personally like to remain uh, in the dark about a lot of things because I like to enjoy things as they come in a movie. I also don't even like. I don't usually think too far ahead of a movie while I'm watching it either. I want to experience what I was, and it seems weird, but like intended to experience in the director's vision. That said, uh, I think what you could easily do is just change the subject when you're hearing nerds. I mean, you have the power to get off Reddit and or Facebook and stop <laughs> reading these conversations. You don't have to talk to these people. That's true. So, I mean. It's a Star you, Wars morality yeah, tale. Choose your destiny. Choose your destiny. <laughs> treat your own, treat your own uh, attention like a precious thing and give it or take it yeah does that make you feel a little bit better at, at least saying it out loud <laughs> yeah, i think so all right well thank you very much thank and you. thank you for ejecting like snap wexley yeah. please state your name and grievance um my name's kinley and do a quick on the alphabet thing because if i don't mention it it's gonna bug me forever <laughs> when i went to disney last time you could get uh name tags in arabesh and my name ends with a y so they have the full alphabet, they have translated and everything, so there is a Y and a Z. <laughs> oh. Oh, nice. Me. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> My grievance actually has a little thing to do with the music, because, and specifically, when Obi-Wan Kenobi dies. And I'm saying that because of how the music reacts, because Star Wars music is written where it's like, the scene, we know what the scene is, and we know what the music's going on, so they're written so that they go hand in hand. And the music swells upwards, like kind of more joyful, not, oh no, he just died, more like, oh no, he just died, let's go. <laughs> okay, so, so it bothers you that the music goes emotionally uh, up uh, instead of emotionally down. Yes, you would think you would be upset that he just died. Okay, uh, I think about Obi-Wan Kenobi about the same amount as I think of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that works. 
I'm not worried about saying that in front of her because she knows it. She knows it. She said, what did you do today? I thought about Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's what I do with most of them. I love the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi, especially as he's been fleshed out in the Clone Wars animated series. And I, to me, uh, I have never noticed that exact thing, so I think that's a, a, a great uh, observation. To me, I really think that he means I will become more powerful than I can possibly imagine. He has been training to keep his identity within the Force. He knows that Vader and Palpatine have no idea that this is even possible, and he knows that he can continue to help Luke and help guide perhaps other Force users. So I think for Obi-Wan, he is totally at peace with it. Mm-hmm. So it is perhaps a happy moment for him. So, so we should see it as a happy moment, not a, oh, no. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you, Joseph. I think that a, a Jedi's sacred duty to them, I mean, they, they are a monastic order, and their last great duty is to die. I mean, it's to give their life for the protection of the light side of the Force and to keep the balance and to really, honestly, to, to directly oppose the Sith. And so I believe that he really, it is a, it is a positive moment for us uh, as a, I guess, as a galaxy in that sense that he has, he has the, you know, one of the greater Jedi, greatest Jedis, you know, at the moment living has, has done this. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think, Jeremy? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, Obi-Wan chose to become one with the Force, mm-hmm. chose to move the story along. Um, I don't think it's emotionally uh, positive the, the the music. I think it's emotionally active. It, it's there's it's a it signals a change. It signals the next uh, the next step in the film. Like th- now it's really starting to roll mm-hmm. along again. And uh, yeah, it's it was it was a choice that he made uh, to make Luke a greater person. So when he became an angel, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. he became one with the force. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a, a beautiful, peaceful, noble moment, mm-hmm. and also. He could get one up on Anakin one last yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> he has the high ground. Yeah, he has the. <laughs> I have the moral high ground, Anakin. <laughs> Thank you very much, Great Grievance. Henry, excuse me. Thank you very, very much. Um, so my name's John, and I know you guys do this a lot. So I have two, and I'll let you pick the one you hear less often. All right. Oh. One is about the end of Yoda's training. And the other is about the government of Naboo. Oh, let's go government of Naboo <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's dive deep. What is up with the government of Naboo being elected teenage minds? <laughs> oh, you mean with their makeup? Oh. Well, the, the makeup, but the whole thing. The um, Yes, you're the queen of Naboo, but queen is an elected position, and you can just turn that over to another queen who's not related to you. But Leia is a princess because she's your daughter. This makes no sense to me. Yeah, so I think there are a lot of ways to, to look at it. I mean, I think the queen-princess thing is just a little bit of that. that that's the way George Lucas uh, works. Sometimes he, he, got, he goes kind of literal, and then he goes off literal and, and goes, like, around in a weird way. So just, like, that's, like, that's, we know that about uh, George Lucas, our, our creator of Star Wars. Uh, but for me, this is what always makes me feel better about Naboo, is I will try to turn in and pay attention to UK politics. <laughs> and I remember that different people have different political procedures and they seem very similar to ours. And then you turn on the television and there is the Prime Minister of England standing next to Lord Buckethead on a stage. <laughs> and. Naboo doesn't seem any weirder than that to me, to be like, we're going to elect you, but you happen to be called the queen. But but do they have non-teenage girl choices? I mean, it, like, 
No, that, you know, I'm also going to turn to another real-world example for this, and then I want Jeremy and Molly uh, to weigh in. If you are going to pick a publication right now to truly trust to lead us into the next generation, it would be Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue. Yeah, yeah. So I think they're using Teen Vogue politics. Molly, what do you think? I feel that um, one of the ways to really, really like, you know, feel better about this is to think that, I mean, for Padme, Padme is really... Uh, good at what she's doing, but she also knows, a good leader knows when to step down. And I think if we had elected queens, maybe a lot of atrocities in the world wouldn't have happened <laughs> if it wasn't just a birthright thing. So I think Naboo uh, is very forward-thinking. They are demonstrating that they have, you know, more of a, uh, a wholesome approach to politics, thinking of the entire world as, a, you know, the, the system. And, you know, yeah, like Joseph's saying, the distance between America and England is very, very little. The distance between Naboo and, like, Coruscant and some of the outer rim planets is crazy. You know, there's, they, they, they're entire different species. So I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a positive thing to have uh, teenage girls running things. They, they tend to speak their minds. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, what do you think about well, teenage girls? <laughs> <laughs> Leading planets Thank in Star you. Wars. Oh, yeah, sorry. sorry. Uh, excuse me. An awkward pause on my yeah, part yeah, there. Yeah, I apologize right, for that. Right. You had something in your throat. It's all right. It's fine. Um, so yeah, we we saw three queens of Naboo throughout the. You had uh, first you had, you had <laughs> my favorite kid star, Padme Amidala, <laughs> and then you had uh, Queen Jamila in the second one, and then uh, whatever her name was, played by Keisha Castle Knight, whatever it was, yeah. Whale Rider, mm-hmm. uh, in the in the third. She's in a great movie called Whale Rider. It's kind of, um, but uh, yeah, so they seem to they seem to have elected a a string. Of of younger female uh, rulers, and that's fine. That's just that's just the way they do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's working. It you know it worked out for them. They survived the uh, the blockade from the Trade Federation. Uh, at the end of uh, the special editions of uh, Return of the Jedi, you see that uh, Wisa free. So uh, oh so they're they're doing okay. Uh, <laughs> now, Princess Princess Leia Organa is Princess Leia Organa. She's a princess of Alderaan, not yeah. a princess of, of Naboo. So yes. that's where that title comes yeah. from. Yeah. Good old Queen Brea. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it is also fun to think, uh, and I don't know if there's any canon out there, that it is a tradition to hire teenage girls. It could be. That a bunch of four-year-old dudes are like, I want to be king, and they're like, they just suck. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't get elected. Your ideas are outdated, Gramps. <laughs> <laughs> Does any of that make you feel better? Uh, I'm still not clear on the makeup, but I'll. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> Excellent. Next year we'll talk makeup. Right. Thank you very much. Round of applause. Please state your name and grievance. My name is Nick, and my Star Wars grievance comes from the Clone Wars animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, what really bothers me about the droid ships in particular, this might be a bit of a nitpick, they all have a breathable atmosphere. Mm. Oh. It almost yeah. seems like the entire fleet is inherently designed to fail. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Uh, Jeremy, you, you, you uh, inhaled air. Do you have a strong <laughs> opinion about that one? I like it. I'm for it uh, myself. Uh, yeah, because in stuff like, uh, say, uh, Battlestar Galactica or uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, when they take over, when they when they have these uh, these otherworldly kind of uh, uh, equipment, they're breathing in liquid. You know, this just makes it a lot easier to film. <laughs> and, and really, I understand that it, that it's that it's uh, CGI, but it's a lot easier to film. I think I think it's also it, it's a good idea of you know. Uh, the International Space Station always has a Soyuz capsule ready to go just in case something goes terribly wrong. 
And uh, so in case there is uh, someone of the Trade Federation that needs to get away on a ship, they have one available to Yeah, them. and Nemodian doesn't have to turn on the air. Right. They can just go. Uh, Molly, do you have thoughts? I haven't seen a lot of the Clone Wars animated series, but I feel that it's important that uh, we be inclusive of all beings on our atmospheres <laughs> of our spaceships, and I think that that's a big part of it is they don't want to feel like they are uh, you know, making a, a safe, a non-safe space for those beings that need to breathe atmosphere. It, it's, droids have been oppressed for a long time, and maybe they feel that they don't, they, they're going to be the, the bigger droid (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think there is a lot of droidism in Star Wars which is getting addressed more and more in canon about people being like oh yeah they have feelings they're sentient anyway here we go Uh, so I think it's not surprising that something would be built and they would make air because they would assume we need air and they would never think that oh the droids don't even need air because nobody ever thinks about the droids man Mm. no one thinks about the droids Mm -hmm. does that help a little bit a little bit a round of applause Please state your name and grievance. Okay, my name is Dave, and hopefully I'm sober enough that this all makes sense. (laughs) My main grievance, and I have a lot of grievances, (laughs) there is no, I don't care what blog talked about it or what book talked about it, there is no earthly reason that Luke Skywalker's last name is Skywalker. No earthly reason. When you have have two children, and it's so important that they have to be hid from Darth Vader's emperor, (laughs) that you take one of them, and Bail Organa goes, sure, I'll raise him as my kid and just pretend her last name is Organa. And you take the other one, and you go, I'm going to take him to Darth Vader's old hometown, and I'm going to give him to his stepbrother, and he's going to keep his last name. There's no reason for that. (laughs) When you put someone with protection, the very first thing you do is change their name. And then, when he's older, in The New Hope, he's talking about joining the Imperial Academy. I'm sure there's a there's some kind of red flag that happens on the application when you write your last name down as Skywalker. <laughs> all right, all right. It's a wonderful grievance, and I trust that you have a solid 20 minutes of stand-up on this. No, like, <laughs> that's what it is. It's I really, really... this way too much. Yes, it's really, really good. It, uh, it's a thing we've talked about again, and, but, uh, uh, but it is great to address it live and in person. Uh, uh, a couple of things that I like. I like the idea... That Uncle Owen just he doesn't really like Obi Wan. He doesn't trust Obi Wan. Obi Wan shows up with the baby and like now here I, I you know who this is. I'm asking you change the child's name. And Owen's like sure you got it. Get out of here space wizard. And then as soon as he leaves, I don't care. I'm naming this kid Skywalker. And, and that worked out well for Uncle Owen. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, Jeremy, thoughts? I think that uh, witness protection programs fail all the time. Well, sure. And, uh, but at least try. It, least well, you know, like step it, one, change the name. So, so really, I mean, Tatooine is a big yet dent, you know sparsely populated planet. Uh, but you know, it isn't his hometown. It's his own planet. They, they were, you know, Moss Espa and Moss Eisley. Way they're out way past Anchorhead. Mm-hmm. You know, join the Imperial Academy. With well, the keep on, keep thinking though that uh, that Owen Lars kept on saying, oh, "I just need you for one more season. I just need you for one more season." Try, I, I think he's trying to figure out a way to stop him from joining the Academy, from putting that application in, which will which will red flag that. Yeah, Luke Lars. You know, we don't know for sure that uh, uh, that Obi Wan requested a name change. Mm-hmm. We just know that Bail Organa changed Leia's name, and I think that Jimmy Smith is a smug, you know, guy, and probably <laughs> he just got one of those faces, you know, like a handsome smug guy. So I think he was probably like, "No, I'm going to raise her, but I want her. She's my daughter because she was clearly <laughs> smart, capable, uh, had leadership skills, and so he knew that he wanted the credit for that in her name forever and ever." Yeah. Whereas, you know, I think Owen looked at Luke, and you know, he's probably pretty whiny even as a baby. 
baby, right? Yeah. So he was like, nah, he can be his father's son. So here's the thing that I've learned uh, on Star Wars counseling. We're running a little bit low on time. I have learned that it is like real counseling. You have to want to get better <laughs> for us to be able to help you. And I, I feel like, and I mean no disrespect, because this is a great conversation, but I think you might not want to feel better. <laughs> but one last thing. Luke's, Luke's cover was blown as soon as he blew up the Death Star and started walking. Hey, there's this great Skywalker pilot who seems to know what the Force is. Whereas Leia's cover didn't get blown until Luke blew it. Yeah. <laughs> so changing the name, good idea. <laughs> no argument there. <laughs> Round of applause. Hey. Please state your name and grievance. May I first say uh, thank you, doctors, for your time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, this has bugged me for a while. It's from, my name's Dante, and this is from uh, Return of the Sith. Um, so the four Jedi Masters go to arrest our Lord, our good Lord, the Dark Lord. <laughs> and they, um, they kind of just, three of them kind of just stand there. And I'm sure it's supposed to be Palpatine super fast. Yeah. But he does it real slow. And he stabs two of them. Oh, yeah. And they don't do anything. And then the third one does a goofy little twirl. And then he gets stabbed, too. <laughs> and then the fight continues. And I just want to know, what was going through their minds when they walked into that room? Well, I think uh, when Sase Ten and Agent Kohler and Kid Fisto and Mace Windu all walked in together, I think they thought, we're four Jedi Masters. We've got this. Mm -hmm. And then I think they are shocked to find this is an actual Sith Lord. And then I think they're even more shocked, not by his speed, but his style. <laughs> <laughs> he jumps over the table in a corkscrew formation yeah. for no reason. And I mean, this is kind of a joke and maybe a little serious of that. Is he using a form that they haven't, a, mm -hmm. like a lightsaber form that they haven't heard of or thought about or practiced against in years? And he is just making moves that just totally take them by surprise? That that helps me feel better about it because I think that's I think his Palpatine Darth Sidious's skill is the intent and it's not portrayed well in the film. Uh, what do you guys think? I think they're very embarrassed. Uh, that they, <laughs> I think they they realize they should have seen this coming a long time ago. It was really obvious that he was that Palpatine was turning more and more evil. And I think that when this is finally all revealed, they're realizing they wish they were you know they're a day late and a dollar short, a credit short. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's just that overwhelmingness is is leading to them feeling like uh, they're just they're kind of all shucksing their way through it. Yeah. <laughs> How about uh, you, Jeremy? On the battlefield and in the boardroom, the Jedi are very very sure of themselves. Mm. And that's their downfall. Yes. Oh, they, yeah. They, we yeah. got this. Mm -hmm. yep. Look at this vain yeah. idiot corkscrewing over. Oh, yep. God, I'm dead. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make you feel just a little better? That made me feel much better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. big round of applause. Okay, we're going to get tried through as many as we can. Grievance and name. Hi, my name is Nolan, and my grievance is the heavily scripted dialogue, and more specifically in Attack of the Clones. So, what I'm talking about is when Anakin Skywalker and Padme Amidala are on Naboo. And Anakin find it, finds it appropriate to start saying how he hates sand oh, he and hates how her. he starts staring at her breasts and he starts stroking her and making her very uncomfortable. It just doesn't even seem natural. And the heavy scripture of it all just confuses me. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, how, give me the asshole you are. I'm 14. You're 14. I am thrilled that you as a young man realize <laughs> that Anakin is not someone to look up to in terms... <laughs> 
in terms of dating advice, so I think you already really won with that. Uh, but I'm going to go to Molly. Molly, what, what do you think about that scene? I really think that uh, he's, he's so right about sand because it's one of the most annoying substances <laughs> on any world. But also I think that he's, I've had my share of uh, clumsy, you know, teenage boys trying to compliment me and just sort of pawing at me. So I, I feel like when I saw that, my heart went out to poor Anakin, who is just trying his best. And he's just like a puppy beating up a shoe. You know, there's just, there's just, there's only so much he can do. And you're just like, aw, come on. And she, as the, uh, you know, older woman, which is weird because she's only a few years older, but she acts like she's, you know, way older than him when she, the way she talks. Uh, I think that she's just, with all her political experience and everything, that she just looks at him and sees a sweet summer child who just needs to stop going to the beach so much. <laughs> Jeremy? Uh, I think that if you want to feel better about Anakin and Padme's relationship, you should read the novelization of Attack mm. of the Clones because it actually puts in some really, really behind, you know, kind of like hanging out with her family and teasing and all this stuff that makes the relationship, albeit still very stilted, yeah. it seems a lot more realistic. Yeah, so I think you can like try to look for the like the novelization, like Jeremy mm -hmm. said, and try to imagine that this uh, that this is executed well, that this that it's meant to be star-crossed lovers and it's meant to be charming. Or you can imagine the opposite way that it really is like a PSA on how not to do dating. <laughs> <laughs> You'll go with that one, okay? Yeah. Big round of applause. A great grievance. <laughs> name and grievance. Of Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> 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 so, not, not just that it exists, but mostly that somebody first created it and then said, I'm going to actually publish this. <laughs> and this is going to be something that people remember. Hey, you were on that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the Star Wars holiday special is, it's a very special thing. It, it, you really shouldn't watch it alone. You should get together with, uh, you know, a, a support group to mm -hmm. attempt to watch it. Uh, but I think that we can be thankful for its existence because it helped George Lucas go, oh, no, I need to watch this property. <laughs> yes. Because yes. he basically just kind of licensed it out to TV people in the 70s, and he didn't have uh, a lot of time to do anything with it. And then uh, this is exactly what anybody in TV in the 70s did. It's like, I, I, I don't know, make it a variety show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of drugs going around at the time, especially <laughs> in Hollywood, and I think that that is, we can really just blame that. You know, let's just, uh, like, blame the cartels for why there is a Hollywood <laughs> special that involves... Singing Ewoks. <laughs> um, Pat Proft, who is a, uh, a local uh, local guy who made uh, the Naked Gun uh, films and the like, uh, he once appeared at the Oak Street Cinema, and I asked him this question because he was the showrunner on this. And I said, well, you know, how do you feel about being associated with this? And he said, well, let me tell you, uh, the first day we had built up all the sets, there was the scripts, blah, blah, blah. Uh, George Lucas came to the set, and he was taking, he was, he was you know, taking a tour around and at the end, he didn't say anything until at the end, he said, well, save what you can, and walked out. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing that I think that, uh, that the, the, the Christmas special, the holiday special does, is it brings fans together and uh, shows, boy, this is kind of silly, this thing that we really love and, <laughs> and have lots of, of deep discussions of. It's kind of silly. <laughs> and uh, there's a place uh, in town here called the Bryant Lake Bowl. Every, uh, every December... 
they do a big show of the uh, of uh, the holiday special, and it raises uh, money and toys for Toys for Tots. So it has a positive effect yeah. on yeah. the world. I think that's yeah, very good. And the last thing I'll say is I'm grateful it exists because of Krellman. Krellman is the alien who comes into the bar and pours booze directly through the hole on his head onto his brain. <laughs> that is amazing. But not a person that you want to emulate. No, 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 no. Thank you very much. It's a great grievance. Thanks, Noah. Name and grievance. Hello, my name is Ben. And um, my grievance is um, comparing the First Order and their forward thinking compared to the Empire. So the Empire, they make the Death Star in order. It can blow up planets and can basically, they never say if it has a limit, if there's, like, it can't shoot anymore. Um, Starkiller Base, apparently twice, can only be used twice before it eats the sun, and then the entire planet becomes unlivable. Hmm. So they probably put a lot of work into that, and um, I guess my grievance is that what do you do after that? Uh, yeah, hmm. I think, I don't know if there is, there is somewhere in canon. Uh, I think there is, there might be something in canon, I could be wrong, that Starkiller Base was designed, even though it was a planet, to possibly be mobile, hmm. so that it could go suck other suns. Uh, which, I mean, this, Star Wars always has an interesting relationship with science. <laughs> but if that, that's a big one, right? Uh, so I think there is that, that it could be mobile. And it also could be that maybe Starkiller Base was built to be one and done because it did destroy the seat of the whole Galactic Republic. So yeah. maybe it's just like, that's good enough. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy, Molly? Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. It's just they're, they, they are not... Uh, they are. They are. They think they want to do everything bigger and better than the empire ever did. They saw that the empire failed, and say, "Well, okay. First, they made the small Death Star, then they made the larger Death Star, and now we're going to make a super big Death Star." <laughs> and Han even makes the you know makes the joke about it in the in the training room. I was like, "Well, so it's bigger. We'll still blow it up." <laughs> um, I think there's going to be a a cool story that somebody will come up with in the next few years and put into into canon. Uh, the new canon books are, for the most part, pretty fantastic, yeah. and there's a lot of people that are thinking about just these these sort of, of questions and coming up with creative solutions. I would say, remember that when we saw the first, you know, the first few movies, we didn't really have this in-depth canon, to, you know, to pull back, and we didn't have the, you know, the Wikipedia, we didn't have these resources at hand to be able to uh, pull out from. So I think with all those resources, we're only going to get better explanations. But try to keep the mystery alive in your heart, and just uh, <laughs> like let yourself be, be a kid again, you know, and, and feel that like it's going to be okay, you know. We're just it's 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 you know it's Chinatown, but you know it's, it's <laughs> you know. And also, I think you know if you look at Kylo Ren. He's, he's trying so hard to outdo the legacy of Darth Vader, just like Hux is trying to outdo you know, the legacy of the Empire. First Order is trying to be better than the Empire. Everyone, like Jeremy was saying, but also, they're also a little bit whinier. You know, it's, it's, they're all, you know so it's, 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 that's what's going to happen. When you're a little whinier, maybe you just forget that you shouldn't unplug the sun. Uh, it would be, be better if the sun didn't just get drained. I think that's a great moral for yeah. you to take. It's Starkiller Base. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Big round of applause. We only have a few minutes left. We're going to try to get through as many as we can. Name and grievance. My name is Alex, and my grievance is about Bo-Katan's eye color change from yellow in Clone Wars to green in the season four trailer. Mm. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So do you want there to be an explanation? Because if it's just in the trailer, we don't know what's happened yet, right? Well, you see in those two shots that she did, that she has green eyes. Yeah, so let me ask you this. Uh, Would you want to see a reason for that when the new season comes out? 
because maybe it's narrative. Well, I wanted an explanation maybe then, and I finished it now. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so I think this is one of those ones where it is clearly probably just either an error or a creative choice, much like Kylo Scar, where we're like, we decided we wanted mm -hmm. something different, so we changed it because we are humans making a fake thing. But of course, that is not always satisfying. So then we go to headcanon, and we get to start to make up what happens. And I think when Mandalorians get hit hard in the head, their eye color changes. As I've gotten older, my eyes have uh, changed color a little bit, to be honest. And sometimes it can happen pretty dramatically. So maybe it was just, it's a natural aging thing that happens uh, to Mandalorians when they hit a certain age. We, oh, didn't, yeah. we didn't see Boba Fett's eyes that much, and we haven't had that much experience with Sabine either. So... Uh, Sabine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's entirely possible. That that's just a natural progression for her race. Yeah. Sabine is a very arty person, mm -hmm. and she is somebody that I think would uh, would wear uh, uh, colored contacts. <laughs> and I think maybe that's just that's not just her. Maybe it's a whole Mandalorian thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does that make you feel a little bit better to play around with? A lot better. Yeah. All right. I actually knew that someone was going to say contact. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Big round of applause. We have three people left. We can do it. Power through fast. Name and grievance. Hi there. My name is Jason. My biggest grievance <laughs> is that the Jedi seem to be idiots. Yep. Extremists often are. If you're winning, if you've got the other side completely outnumbered, balance is a bad thing. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of Jedi. Two Sith. Apparently evil is picky. <laughs> After Vader, there's two Jedi and two Sith. Balance has been achieved. Then... That dies of old age. And then Vader has to kill the Emperor because he's preserving the balance. It's one and one. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go like super nerdy opinion on this one, and and, uh, and there is some supporting thing. I think a lot of times, uh, especially if we're looking at the movies, we uh, it is natural to interpret balance as the two on two. Mm -hmm. But in larger canon, we know, of course, there are more Jedi than just uh, Yoda and Obi Wan who survive. So the balance isn't actually achieved by the slaughter in Revenge of the Sith. And more importantly, there is a bunch of stuff, particularly in the last arc of the Clone Wars animated series, where Yoda is going to learn more. He's been contacted by the voice of Qui-Gon Jinn, and he is going to explore what this mystery is and the idea of retaining one's identity in the Force. And he meets these Force uh, priestesses, and they talk to him about balance. And they make it clear that the idea of balance is the eradication of the Sith, mm -hmm. that the Sith are unnatural, like Palpatine just told us, <laughs> and that what balance means is getting rid of all the bad stuff. So the Jedi, uh, maybe this is a little dogmatic, and certainly the Jedi are guilty of being dogmatic. That's what makes them bad at their jobs sometimes. <laughs> it, it's not a nice, peaceful thing. It's like, you know what would bring balance to the Force? If the other side all died. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Molly, yeah, do you have yeah, any thoughts? Yeah, Jedi, Jedi are, are, you know, they are extremists. You know, they're, they're just they're two sides of the same coin. I think that I've often thought, that's interesting, I've never thought of it that way, but I've often thought that what Jedi want is they actually don't want balance. That when Yoda says he will bring balance to the Force, it's more of a threat. Uh, that a balance to the force means mm. the eradication of, of all force users or in some way that, that it will just, the, the balance of the force will be that there is no good or evil, there's just gray now. So, and I think that there might be a little bit of that hinted coming up. So I'm, I'm excited to see what might happen with some gray Jedi. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm super excited to see what, uh, what Luke means by it's time for the Jedi to end. Mm -hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. it, it might be that the force can still exist without without Jedi because Jedi just kind of screw things up. They screw the Force up 
Yeah, that they get. I think the first statement you made, was, I believe it was that Jedi are idiots. Yep. <laughs> yes. I think Jedi certainly are dogmatic and make a lot of mistakes. Uh, does the rest of the balance talk help you a little bit to think about it in lots of different ways? I can go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having balance. Round of applause. Two more. Uh, name and grievance, please. Hey, folks. My name is Michael Spaulding. Uh, my grievance is regarding Star Wars Rebels. Okay. Um, I am, I've long been a fan of Thrawn, mm-hmm. old canon. No long legacy, and I've read the new book before I watched Rebels. Oh, okay. And a lot of the old Thrawn is present in that mm-hmm. book. And then watching Rebels, I became confused. Yeah, because Thrawn, his presence on Loth- at Lothal doesn't make a lot of sense in Rebels, and his apparent ineptitude is really confusing, considering he was the old Thrawn in the book. He was as brilliant and yeah. as clever and as forward thinking as we expected him to be and a lot of that seems missing there's there's hints of it in rebels but he's he's consistently yeah falling mm-hmm. short yeah I like the idea. I've read the Thrawn book, uh, and I agree with you that they they really did a great job in Rebels, but they didn't quite get past that bar of we have created a brilliant villain tactician who's always seven steps ahead. So the first appearance on Rebels to be super true to his character should have been him wiping out half of our friends (laughs) on this family-friendly cartoon. And they didn't find a way, I think, to quite make that uh, click. But I kind of like thinking of it as this Rebel cell is a new threat to him. And as uh, he is on the show, he is learning about them. He hasn't really dealt with Jedi because since he has come to uh, the Star Wars galaxy, he hasn't really been exposed to Jedi. So that is a new thing for him in that way. And I think it's the the, uh, season finale of Rebels, I think they show really well that outside forces that he could have never predicted is what is his downfall. So I feel like uh, you can create a little bit of a headcanon and then you can just kind of say... We're only seeing 10% of Thrawn on the show, and in the book, it's all Thrawn all the time. Uh, um, I think that uh, the coolest thing about Thrawn is that he, you know, he looks at other cultures. He figures through their art and their music how they will, how they will fight in the best way to, uh, best way to defeat them. When he's fighting against a ragtag group of people <laughs> that are from five different planets, mm-hmm. and they all have different opinions, and they have, all have different, uh, different backgrounds... Mm-hmm. And they're kind of bringing together the alliance. He hasn't he hasn't had to face that before. Uh, the stuff in the in the book, which is all fantastic, is talking. You know, he is going against a bunch of he's going against planets. He's going against uh, uh, colonies, a bunch of folks that are together who all think alike, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think when it gets when uh, it gets kind of a crazy big diverse group of people uh, that are all making different choices for different reasons, that's when that's a bit of a downfall for him. Yeah, two things. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Two things. A brilliant tactician doesn't rush in uh, just willy-nilly and win. Uh, they take their time. And I think also uh, it is a lot easier. A colony of people is going to be much more pliant and easy to defeat than a group that has been pushed to the edge and have mm. seen friends die and are at the point where they, they understand that they have to take no prisoners. They can't, they can't, you know, they are on the sharpest, you know, they're, they're always there. So I think, you know, overtaking a world might be a little easier especially if, you know, he is so clever. And I think we have to assume that his cleverness is not being, uh, is, is maybe being obfuscated on purpose, whether it's his own obfuscation as a, as a way of trying to lure them in. Maybe he's trying to make them think he's not as, he's clumsier than he is, hoping that that will help them slip up and he'll be able to see more uh, what to do in the future. Sure. 
Does that help a little bit? I, I do feel better. Thank yeah. you. Oh, wonderful. Yay. Yeah. All right. We got one last grievance. Please state your name and grievance. Hi. Um, my name is Saturn, like the planet. Um, cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. Um, my grievance is uh, the death of Darth Maul in Star Wars Rebels and how they chose to handle um, and how they chose to handle it. Most, not because he died, um, but because from what I've seen with Disney Star Wars material is that they've done... They've done a great job of developing a lot of these characters, especially with um, sort of emphasizing the importance of like the neutral side of the force and how Kanan Jars represents a very passive and meditative way to embrace it, while Ezra represents a very aggressive way to embrace it. And they carried a lot of amazing qualities from the Clone Wars Darth Maul over to the Star Wars Rebels show. Um, but my biggest grievance is how much of like a cop out it feels. Hmm. Yeah, uh, so we've talked about this a little bit, and I think uh, we'll make this quick, but uh, it's a great question and clearly very, very thoughtful. Um, I like the idea that Maul was kind of ready to die, almost like we were talking about with Obi-Wan, where all he had left was vengeance, because he had kind of, he had tried to take over Mandalore, he had tried to get back into the Sith, and he just had nothing less. He had never had anything but vengeance, and he's like, uh, maybe Obi-Wan. I'm still mad at that guy. He cut me in half a long time ago. I'll go, I'll go take it out on him. It, but his heart isn't entirely in it. And like, I feel like there's a part of him who's almost ready to go, which is why, to me, it feels elegant. That it's fast, it's easy, and clean, in almost a tender moment between Obi-Wan and Darth Maul, where they share this brief moment where they both, as they're dying, need to believe that Luke is the chosen one. Obi-Wan needs to believe it because he needs to believe in hope in the future, and Darth Maul needs to believe it because vengeance, because if there's a chosen one on the light side, they will finally kill Palpatine Sidious. So I feel like it's quick, but it's beautiful and elegant in, in its own strange little way. Guys? Um, I, I thought it was a, a great uh, callback like call to the samurai movies that uh, Star Wars is, is, mm. is, is, is partially based on. Um, most of these, most of the fights in samurai movies, especially older films, are very quick. They are, you know, there's not a lot of ching, 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 back and forth. Uh, it is just one move, two moves, and you're done. And it was, it was that kind of, you had, you had two excellent, excellent swordsmen, mm -hmm. and one of them was just a little faster this time, and it, it was the end of Maul. Yeah. I think it underscores uh, that violence is indeed, you know, uh, sudden, abrupt, and it, mm -hmm. it shows that both the, the kind of the semiotics of balance, the fact that you know they are they are there together again, and then also that the idea that you know we should abhor violence. It's not something that we're the Star Wars movies don't teach us that violence is the solution. Uh, it is something that is brutal and should give you like you know the feels, you know Kylo Ren on the bridge, you know all those things. Like those those are moments that make you just gut punched, and I think that was a big part of it. it was to make you realize violence isn't cool, it isn't funny, it, it happens and it's brutal and it's over. And someone's gone. And I, and I think that's an important lesson that Star Wars teaches us. Uh, does that make you feel a little bit better? That makes me feel a lot better. Yeah! yeah. Alright! Thank you very much. That's a high note to end on. All right. What yeah. a beautiful way to end on. <laughs> we that, solved all the problems. Yeah, to make somebody feel better about the death of Darth Maul. It's beautiful <laughs> to return to the light side of the Force. Thank you so much, uh, Jeremy Stomberg. Thank you, Molly Glover, for joining me. Until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal, naked honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. That's it for Star Wars Counseling. Thank you all. <laughs>
know, it's moments like this that are why I got my Star Wars psychology degree. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.